Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. And Yachty hits it down the left field line. Is it gone? It is gone! Yadier Molina, two-run homer! St. Louis needed it. Yachty delivered! Seventh inning yet again. It happened last night. The Cardinals struck for five when they were getting no hit. Man, did they need it. Yachty delivers. The 38-year-old comes through yet again. Anytime that they have to have something, something big, it's Yadier Molina. Didn't even know if he was going to play and yet still, Yadier Molina comes through for the Cardinals when they needed it most. At the tail end of that soundbite, that was Brad Thompson, my partner yesterday. He'll be on the game tonight, and I'll visit with uh, Brad Thompson coming up on the program this morning. This is Scoops with Danny Mack. My name is Dan McLaughlin, and Tanner Hendrickson is our producer and engineer today. Great to have you with us. 65780 if you want to jump in the program. 65780, and that is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Cardinals have won four in a row after the 2-1 victory yesterday. They needed to take care of business in Pittsburgh. They did that. Dropped the first game. Disappointing. Then they win four in a row. Now they've got to take care of of, uh, business in Kansas City. Yachty home run was huge. Cardinals trail the Cubs by three and a half games. They hold the sixth spot in the National League. If the playoffs started today, they would be taking on the Atlanta Braves. The Cardinals have a one-game lead over Cincinnati and Milwaukee. So Molina bails out the Cardinals yet again with his home run in the seventh. It was hit number 1994, 1,994. So a week to go, final year of his contract in St. Louis, six shy of 2,000, and another appearance in postseason play, maybe, just maybe, for Yachty. I feel we're on the playoffs right now. I feel we 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 fighting for a spot in the playoffs. I mean, I can uh, my team my team may count on me. Uh, I never tried to do anything uh, for them to doubt on me. I'm, right now, I mean, if I'm healthy enough to play, I feel I'm gonna be there. I mean, like because they need me, I need them. Um, and right now, we're fighting for the spot. I'm, I mean, I, we got we gotta go. Remember earlier in the week, it was a. Um... The catcher's interference hit on the uh, the wrist or the right above the wrist with Ryan Braun. And then over the weekend, got hit by a pitch, had to leave the game, and then finds himself in the lineup on Sunday. Awesome. Awesome stuff with Yachty. Cardinals in Kansas City tonight. Adam Wainwright, Carlos Hernandez. It was a bounce back for Jack Flaherty yesterday. Boy, he looked good. After allowing a career-high nine runs in Milwaukee, have to wonder if he is tipping pitches or they got something on him in Milwaukee because he gets beat up there, but he struck out 11 in six innings of work yesterday. I mean, I think every day can be productive, whether it's good or bad. you got to take some things. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, you got to take some things and be able to work off of them. So um, regardless, even if it was a horrible bullpen, I think there still would have been stuff where it was, hey, I need to work on this. And maybe this thing, this got ironed out, but then this didn't feel right. So, you know, there, no matter what, each and every day, you can get something good out of it, even if it's not, not the best day. So the bullpen, by the way, huge all weekend. Flaherty huge yesterday. 12 innings, no earned runs. Hennessy Cabrera, first save on Saturday. Then yesterday, Andrew Miller became the sixth Cardinal to pick up a save in 2020. You know what? I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I touched on this with you guys last time. It's, you know, not 
not unsurprisingly, there, there's nothing to compare this to. But yeah, in some ways, it feels like we're, you know, we're in the last, you know, the 180th game of the year and, you know, the wheels are falling off. In other ways, you feel like you really have only played. I mean, how many days have we actually played? I don't, you know, we're probably only played 43 days or something like that. So, you know, it's not worth comparing anything to. We got to find a way to make it work. And, you know, I think this seems really, you know, I, I think we can we can see the finish line and know how bad we want to get there in good shape. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're kicking into gear and this sets the tone and take carry it over to Kansas City. Well, Mike Shield and the Cardinals have found a way to do that. And they've had to find a way to mix and match with the 17-day layoff. Guys getting hurt, Gant. Gallegos, whatever the case may be, but they've mixed and matched in the back end of their games. Well, that was a big story of this series, um, for sure, and um, did a tremendous job all the way. Um, everybody, you know, participated. And today, um, you know, Webby did his part, um, carrying over from a nice outing in Milwaukee in that ninth inning, uh, extra innings in game two, um, and did a great job hanging up a donut, as Mad Dog would say. Um, Johnny Gant back in the mix with the clean eight, and Andrew Miller um, with the you know one two three really sharp ninth. Piggy back in on his um, what I thought was an underestimated inning the other day. When he goes out, we're down two to one in that second game of the doubleheader, and goes to the middle of the lineup one two three, and he holds it there, and we score six. So um, yeah, big contributions um, from the bullpen, and guys are guys are in you know attack, get it done mode. So the Cardinals uh, win it couple of games above 500 which is where they have been all season either two below two above that's just the way it's gone so this is how it shakes out games left after today for the cubs they have got four left with pittsburgh three left with the white Sox. cubs have won five of six against pittsburgh so far this year for the cardinals starting tonight three at kansas city then they've got the five with milwaukee cardinals have won by the way eight straight against the kansas city royals Cincinnati, the big series they've got. This is not easy for them. And they're going to roll out their big three on short day's rest. They've got three with Milwaukee, the head-to-head, and then three at Minnesota. Cincinnati has taken four of seven from the Brewers. For Milwaukee, three at Cincinnati, then the five at St. Louis. They have lost eight of 11, eight of their last 11 on the road. Cardinals, five and five this season against the Cubs, six and four against the Reds. Five and four, rather six and four now with Pittsburgh. And um, that's the way it's shook out inside the NL Central. They've got the Royals tonight. For the Royals, their fourth straight losing season. For them, they went one and nine against the White Sox. That defined their year. Fifth worst offense in baseball, but yet their bullpen is pretty darn good. For the Cardinals, trying to have another 500 season. And if they get that, it's lucky number 13. Cardinals trying for their 13th consecutive season above 500, which would be 13 times above 500. No other team in the National League can lay claim to that, which is pretty darn impressive. Danny Mack, you can't acknowledge from the 314 that this is a good team. They just played the worst team in baseball. Well, they've also played the White Sox. They also played Minnesota. They also played the Indians. Other teams are going to have to play them too. I get it. But you know what? Hey, That's the way it goes. Now these other teams are playing them in the final week, and if they get in, they get in. That's just the way it's going. That's the way it's going. So now they've got the soft spot in their schedule. They took four or five against Pittsburgh. They've got Kansas City. They've got to take care of Kansas City. In two of the games, they've got Wainwright. They've got Carlos Martinez. Martinez has got to be better. He's got to be more efficient. That'll be on Wednesday night. We'll see how Wainwright is tonight. No reason to think he's not 
Adam Wainwright, he's been really good this year, even with sometimes not his best stuff. Sometimes he's got his best stuff. Sometimes he doesn't. So we'll see. Uh, Let's see. This is from uh, the 636. Paralysis by analysis. That's what I see with the offense. Well, that's exactly the term that Adam Wainwright used with evaluating himself in terms of what he was doing a couple years ago in trying to throw the baseball. Interesting. I kind of see that too with the offense. Struck out 15 times yesterday. That can't happen. That can't happen. 314, after so many months of no sports, yesterday was heaven. Well, when the Cardinals win, it makes it a little bit easier. So you're probably happier this morning. We visit with Brad Thompson coming up in just a moment. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. And a swing and a miss in the first strikeout for Jack Flaherty. You know, it's a game of adjustments. It's just a game of continuous adjustments. And... Obviously, there was a lot to a lot to um, improve on coming off the last one, so it was just about making small adjustments and try to go out there, attack a little bit better, and execute better in uh, certain situations. And um, you know, it was just uh, it, it was a good week of it was a good week of work and, and getting with certain guys and, and just talk and figure out what adjustments to make. And I was kind of able to, to go out there and just you know, trust Yadi back there, and then you know, be able to be able to. Got to make pitches when I needed to. And with the slider, that's 10 strikeouts. Pitch number 102. Struck him out, his final pitch of the day. Great performance, seeing him bounce back. Jack Flaherty yesterday for the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's bring in my broadcast partner on Fox Sports Midwest. You hear him on the fast lane. That is Brad Thompson. Brad, good morning to you. Always nice to talk to you after a Cardinal victory. How are things going? Man, a lot better than they could be after a weekend, right? The Cardinals actually, you know, took care of their business, took four or five, and, and you know how these games are, man. I, I don't care who you're playing at this point when the schedule has been what the schedule has been for the Cardinals. I don't think that you could come into any situation and take it for granted, even though the Pirates have struggled, they've struggled mightily, even knowing the numbers that Jack Flaherty has had against them uh, in his career. I feel like we're we're well past the part of the season where you can just take stuff for granted. So it was a beautiful thing to see him get it done. You know, he mentioned he made adjustments. You're a guy that understands pitching quite well. What adjustments did you see with Jack Flaherty yesterday? Well, a couple of things. One, I think he did such a good job of setting his sights down. And that was something that against the Brewers last time out, and you talk about a team that has had somebody's number, man, the Brewers have absolutely had the number of Jack Flaherty. But he set his sights down with everything. He was spotting his fastball at the bottom of the zone on, on you know, inside, outside. And I thought a great adjustment that he had was his execution of pitches inside to guys. And we talked about this during the broadcast yesterday, Dan, is that his misses were good misses. If you're trying to throw in, well, a good miss throwing in is in. You miss in instead of pulling it back across the plate to a righty. And we saw too many bad misses against the Brewers. So I thought that was a fantastic adjustment. I thought that mechanically he looked incredibly sound. The ball was coming out of the same slot time after time. And even late you know, in the sixth inning as the pitch count was getting up a little bit, 
and there were a couple of breaking balls that popped out of his hands. He was quick to make adjustments. That's something that in a couple of starts, we saw him slow to adjust. And, and overall, I mean, the numbers were still okay, aside from the Brewers one. But Jack, last year in the second half, he threw one pitch that came out of his hand wrong. Boom, the next pitch was fixed. Like, he knew himself so well. And I think he got back to that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I thought was a great story was Yadier Molina back in the lineup. Uh, does anything surprise you anymore with Yadier Molina? No, nothing surprises me with Yadi at this point. I mean, the guy has been, he's been a constant forever. I mean, he's been in and out uh, every single year that you know what to expect. And Yadi talked about this after the game, too, uh, when asked about the 60-game schedule and how compressed it was. Yadi said, hey, it feels like 180 games at this point, but I want to be here for my team. I need them. They need me. So it's one of those situations where, you just expect in a spot, if Yachty can walk, if he, has, uh, if he has his legs and he has the ability to get up there to the plate, he's going to do it, and he's going to figure it out. And that was a game, again, the Cardinals did take care of business. They won the four games. They won six on the trip. But all six were come from behind. Like, all six, like, you needed something dramatic to happen. And God dang, man, it's just so fun to see him continue to be the guy. We talked about it yesterday, Dan. The smile on his face. After he hits that ball, <laughs> as he's heading to first, like I, it doesn't matter how much pain he's in. It doesn't matter how bad he's hurting uh, day in and day out. He answers the bell, and damn it, he just loves this game. He loves the game of baseball so much. I think Mike Maddox, Mike Schilt have done a remarkable job balancing somehow trying to keep guys fresh with all the doubleheaders, and I, I do think it's cost him a couple of games initially after the 17-day layoff, may have exposed guys in situations they normally wouldn't be in, late innings um, and, and matchups that weren't favorable, but understanding, hey, we're going to take a chance here. Maybe they get him, maybe they don't. It cost them a game, but yet in the long run, it keeps guys as fresh as they can be. I, I think they've done a good job with what they've done with the pitching. Oh, I think so, too. And I think overall, it, I mean, it's a war of attrition at this point. With all these games that you have, you know you're going to wear some guys down. You're going to ask some players for more than maybe you generally would, but that's what we're doing here in this year. Now, I know that nobody's ever going to approach in a 60-game season any innings limits, but I think a lot of times we look at, at stuff just from, uh, you know, from afar and say, oh, well, he threw like you know, 25 innings. What's the big deal? Well, when you're throwing three out of four or four out of five, like, like those things add up quickly. So it has really helped, and I agree with the fact that they've done a good job of kind of utilizing the pieces in and out, not only pitching, but doing a good job of trying to keep their position players as fresh as possible also. But from a relief standpoint, it also really helps having multiple guys in that bullpen that you trust because, uh, I mean, you, you look at the game yesterday. By the way, great to have Gant back. He looked efficient. I believe it was a 13-pitch inning that he had. Webb took care of business. Miller did his thing. It was three innings, no hits out of the bullpen, no walks, and a couple of Ks. So the, the fact that you have so many guys down there that you can go to and you can actually trust in those spots, I mean, that's the, that's the key. That's the huge part right there. Wayno tonight, when you know he's right, or even if he, he doesn't have his best stuff, what do you look for to know that he's going to get you through a game? You know, the fun thing about Wayno is you would never know if he's right or he's wrong, right? Like looking at him on the mound, the, the way that he's, he goes about things, that's one of the things that I, I appreciate about him so much. He can give up 10 runs in a game, and he's going to have that same look on his face that he would if he's throwing a no-hitter through eight. 
Bob. But Wayno, I mean, it's the feel for the breaking ball is going to be the big thing. I mean, what what does that look like? How does he utilize it? And it's the depth on the pitches. A lot of times, you know, when when Adam does get touched. His, the pitches are left up a little bit, and they don't have that depth on them. It's the spinning breaking ball, or it's the cutter that just kind of spins up there instead of has that darting action. I thought it was really interesting last time out that Adam just took his uh, cutter and put it right in his back pocket after the first inning. He said, you know what, maybe next time. You know, that that's the feel that he has for his stuff. But he's going to be on the attack. This is a Royals offense. That is not daunting. I mean, this is a Royals offense that they can touch you here and there, but he should be able to go after and attack. And I know this about Adam. If he's got a pitch that ain't working, even if it's Uncle Charlie, he's going to figure out something else to go after him with. In terms of Dylan Carlson, um, you know, he's in between right now. You, you can just see it now. He had the big three-run homer over the weekend that busted the game open. Just give me in a general sense where you think Dylan is right now. Well, I, I think that he's getting closer every single day, and I think that that same thing can be said for a lot of just young players in this game. The more reps that you end up getting, the more of a feel you have for the league, how the league is trying to approach you, and that home run that you mentioned, man, was that swing pretty. I mean, that was one of those strokes where you look at it and say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to see that for, for a long time. But there's still going to be that learning curve. There's still going to be that adjustment. But he had an at-bat last night. He didn't walk away from it with a hit. I don't, I don't believe in this at-bat. But he had a 1-0 count, and we talked about it afterwards. He let it rip. He got a fastball up in the zone. He fouled it off. But he was up there looking to do some damage. And that's what I want to see out of Dylan Carlson. Honestly, that's what I'd like to see more out of the offense as a whole is the idea of going up there with the, not, not the thought that, hey, we're going to work the counts and we're going to, you know, those things are great too. But in situations where you can actually just come out of your shoes and try to hurt a baseball, do it. And I like the fact that he had the confidence in that spot to do that. Yeah, I, you know, you got to be concerned about the offense. 15 more strikeouts yesterday. They had a 38-year-old catcher bail them out again in the seventh inning. Um, you got to be concerned, Brad. I mean, 15 strikeouts is not going to cut it over the long haul. Where are you right now with the offense? Well, I mean, to say I'm concerned would be you know, an understatement at this point. You knew coming into the season that the offense was going to have to do something special just due to the fact that uh, you, you lose Ozuna, who was a producer for you. You didn't really know what he was going to be this year. It turns out pretty darn good. Uh, so you, you, your offense just on paper didn't end up getting better, and you were looking for guys to get leaps and bounds better and we know with the starts and stops of this season, it's been very difficult to be consistent just in general. Um, that being said, nobody cares about any of that stuff. you got a week left to play and then hopefully a postseason run. Um, but what concerns me the most currently about the offense, I mean, there's nothing that you can do about the pieces. You can yell and scream all you want of, they should have done this, they should have done that. That stuff's over with. And we can have that conversation again this offseason whenever that part of it happens of how you add to this club and where you get better. But the here and the now – to me, is the, the approach of what you're going to do. And some of it comes back to what I was just talking about with Dylan Carlson and the aggressive nature of a swing just in general. How many times did we see in good counts fastballs just blow by people yesterday? And just not, not blow by because they swung and missed, blow by because they're just sitting there obviously looking for something else. It's almost like you're just thinking too far ahead as opposed to see it hit it. And there is value in stats and there is value in analytics and data. Like there, there is a significant value in all of that, but there's also something to the idea of 
see it and hit it. Just play baseball. And I feel like sometimes they get caught up in the, at least appearance-wise, right? We're not around as, as much this year as we'd like to be. It looks like they're caught thinking sometimes more than just acting and reacting, like all the things that got them to the big leagues. I don't know about you, and we don't know the budgets for any of these teams, and that includes the St. Louis Cardinals. We're going into the, the final homestand after Kansas City, uh, the, the road trip through the three games here to the, the west side of the state. I can't imagine that this would be the final home games for Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Could be wrong. I never thought Yadi would or uh, Albert would wind up in California, but here we are. Um, this is it. I mean, they're in the final years of their deals. I, I can't imagine seeing Adam Wainwright and Yadi finish somewhere else, but I, I don't know where you're at with that. What do you think? Yeah, I would be shocked if this ever came down to a budget issue with these two guys. And not just because of everything they've meant to the organization, but honestly, right here, right now, what they're doing and what you need, yeah. they both seem to fit the bill, don't they? And I don't think that either one of them are going to cost you an arm and a leg. I don't think that either one of them would extend you well past where you want to go. They kind of each recognize roundabouts where they are in their careers. So, uh, But just to the larger point, right, uh, if this were the end for Yadier Molina and or Adam Wainwright in Cardinal uniforms, dude, it seems wrong. It seems wrong on so many levels. One is we know all of the the emotions and all of the moments and all of the special things that these two individuals have brought to us as Cardinal fans, right? Like, like we have watched the history of the St. Louis Cardinals. You can't talk about the history of it without those two guys. So, to think about the idea of them playing their last games at Bush Stadium in front of nobody, it feels criminal to me. Like I, I just don't feel like there's any way that that could happen. Now, we realize that 2020 is a, a fickle beast, so uh, there's going to be things that happen. And you, you mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, Dan, a couple of other formidable players in Major League Baseball in similar situations that this very well might happen to. But I just don't see it happening for Yadier Molina. The fact that he's probably going to get 2,000 hits with nobody there seems messed up, too. But that's kind of where we're at. I, I don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? No, I, I don't. I, I don't because, you know, even from the business side of things, um, they're still performing at a high level. Um, Yadi has been still very good and productive, clearly, as we saw yesterday. He's guiding a young staff. He's guiding a bullpen that is a bunch of young guys. I mean, if you take out, I think we, we said the other day, if you take out two guys out of the bullpen and added up the appearances of something like six or seven guys, it's 162 games. Okay, that's a year's worth of appearances from six or six. And to me, Adam Wainwright has been the MVP of the team. So it's not just kind of like the hard string thing. These guys are still performing. So that's the part of it that you, you bring them back because it's not just, well, it's a sentimental thing. It's just they're still performing at a high level. So that's the other part of this that not only the budget part of it that I think they'll come back for and it'll be reasonable to an extent, but yet you need them. You know, the, the options there are you need them to come back and perform for you and you want them to come back and they mean a lot to your team for your young players too. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And uh, I would, uh, even though, I mean, I, I love Wano and I, I love Yachty and those guys are special as can be. But honestly, if this were a situation where I thought, like, uh, you know, just bring them back because, because I want them to see they, them get that ovation that I was just talking about. Like, that wouldn't be right, and that would not make sound business sense. And organizations are put in this position all of the time. 
But to your point, I mean, they, these guys are getting it, getting it done. There is a significant need still, especially, too, when you look at just starting pitching in general, what Adam has been able to do this year, and not just in a small sample size, because what he did last year, too, starting an entire season. I mean, the guys got that figured out. We still don't have real clarity as to what Dakota Hudson's outlook looks like. Hopefully he has to take some time off. He's ready to rock and roll by next year. But you know how uh, how, how things happen in spring. We had Michaelis happen this year, and he'll, be, he'll bounce back yesterday. You can never have enough starting pitching depth in general, and you can never have enough great leadership and veterans around, and both these guys provide that. So it's a huge series tonight. Reds, Brewers, Brandon Woodruff, Luis Castillo, Cardinals trail the Cubs, by the way, by three and a half games. They hold the sixth spot in the National League. Cardinals have a one-game lead over Cincinnati and Milwaukee, so that's the big series, Reds and Brewers, Cardinals, and uh, Kansas City tonight. I still believe we're going to be talking a week from today, and it'll be a doubleheader, and it'll be Detroit and St. Louis, and it may come down to that. What do you think as we wrap it up? No, well, that's kind of how this year has gone, right? I mean, we were just talking about a second ago the the Cardinals and the road trip that they've been on so far and how every game has been a, a come-from-behind victory. Every win that they've had has been a come-from-behind victory. So nothing has come easy this year. And the Cardinals sitting here hovering right now two games over 500. They haven't been above that mark, haven't been below the two games. Like They've just hovered right there in the middle. So... I think I agree with you, even though the, the schedule against, I mean, the Royals are a team that you likely should take a series from. The Brewers are right there chasing you. I, I really just don't see with how crazy this year has been getting into a scenario where everything is clear cut and you don't have to go play those games in Detroit. So the Cardinals just got to keep doing what they're doing right now. And I think that Mike Schilt has done a really good job of not only keeping them as fresh as possible, but keeping them as focused as possible of the day in and the day out. And if they do that come Monday, likely after a double header, they'll see what their future looks like. Brad, as always, great to be with you. And I'll uh, see you tonight on the broadcast. Thanks. Bye, Dan. See you in a couple hours. You got it. That's Brad Thompson of the Fast Lane and Fox Sports Midwest. And this is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Runner goes and not even close. Osuna caught stealing and Yachty still going strong. And today was, you know, he stepped up, clearly banged up. And, um, you know, he's got a winner's mentality. And that's just get it, figure out a way to get it done. And, Winners find solutions, and that's Yadier Molina. And Yadi hits it down the left field line. Is it gone? It is gone! Yadier Molina, two-run homer! St. Louis needed it. Yadi delivered! Can you just, just tell us what the last 24 hours have been like with your hand and, and how sore it is and how you test it and, and basically how you decided to play? Well, I mean, it's been tough the last week, obviously. I mean, a lot of hits. But uh, at the same time, I just focus on, on playing the game. I mean, I got I got good, uh, good enough help to play it. Um, last night, I couldn't, couldn't continue because I didn't have the strength on my hand. But I wake up today, I, I did some treatment last night at my room, and, and I wake up um, um, with, with, with a good strength in my hand. So I decided to play.
Yadier Molina, quite the story at the age of 38. Had enough strength to go out there and save the Cardinals in game five of that series. A caught stealing. 34 catchers have caught 10,000 innings since 1974. The fewest stolen bases allowed of those 34 catchers. Molina with a stolen catch rate 40.3% of attempts against him. That ranks third out of all those catchers. Third. Third. It's incredible. Caught stealing 350. Some say 299. Depends how you want to define it. 299 or 350. Doesn't matter. It's a lot. He's third behind Jim Sunberg and Pudge Rodriguez. It's incredible. Since 1974, he was back in there yesterday. And we mentioned all the debuts the Cardinals have had this year. So guiding a lot of, especially young pitchers, when the team was hit with COVID. So they were bringing a lot of guys up that probably wouldn't have been here this season anyway, unless it was late September and the club was out of it. And maybe you're just trying to give some guys a look. And uh, one of the guys that has helped uh, by the tutelage of Yadier Molina throughout the years and it's been up and down for him. He's a great talent, is one of the most talented guys, I think. And now developing into a late-inning guy is right-handed pitcher Alex Reyes. It gets you comfortable when you're on that mound, you know. And, and that's something that you look for as a pitcher is, is how, do I, how do I get comfortable in uncomfortable situations? And with Yachty back there, he... He just he makes that so much simpler. You know, you, you really you really only have to focus on almost executing the pitch and everything else to take care for itself because he's had, he has such a knowledge for the game and the hitters as well. Like I remember in, in twenty sixteen when I came up to the big leagues, there was a there was an at bat I was trying to get a, a save and I asked him, you know, like why didn't why didn't we go to curveball? And he simply told me, Well, that was the hitter's highest batting average on on any pitch was a curveball and for me that was my best pitch you know thankfully I didn't shake to it but after the game I just got some of that knowledge and that just tells me how prepared he is when he goes in the game a lot of times when you see him call a game I notice it all the time he, he calls it backwards so you see him on a first pitch you're thinking a fastball nope it's a change up it's a slider it's a curveball calls it backwards which is how the game is called a lot of times generally speaking but I noticed that many years ago that's how he calls the game. He is ahead of the game. So he knows the opposition so well, knows the other team, and then knows his guy. And that's how he formulates a game plan. He's awfully good, folks. And who knows? Maybe the final week of his Cardinal career. I would doubt that. But take it in. Take it in. He is something else. That's Yadier Molina. That was a special moment again yesterday. One of the great moments this year, though, was the home run that he hit on Clemente Day. That was a special moment for him. Uh, the 618, the list of Yadier Molina big hits for this team is endless, keeps adding to it. I'll quit watching baseball if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I doubt you're going to quit watching baseball. I'm going to say that. I don't mean disrespect. But uh, I don't know if he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. A lot of people, if you're not watching him every day, don't have maybe the full respect that we have for him watching him every day. That's just the way it is. Now, when he gets 2,000 hits, that to me solidifies nationwide. Nationwide. That's like the final thing for me that people will say, okay, got it. He's in. Um, that's how some writers look at it. They just don't see the full impact that he's made. Uh, in terms of what he means to this franchise. He's caught 180 different pitchers in his career. That's 
that's an amazing amount of people that he has had to deal with in in a, in a good way. I mean, guys that make their big league debut, 180 different guys. That's a lot. Made his debut in, uh, I think it was July of 2000 or June of 2004, but it's a long time he's been behind the plate for the St. Louis Cardinals. So Yachty and Wayno, uh, the final years of their deal, and um, it could be the final week with no fans. I think they're going to be back, though. And I do think we're going to have fans in the stands next year. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Tanner, give me your head. I'm going to knock on that. I'll knock on mine. It's knocking on wood. Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, Ribs, BK, they're all coming up next on 101 ESPN. And some of the big hockey news over the weekend. Will the captain re-sign with the St. Louis Blues? Does he hit free agency? So, Alex, uh, I'll hit you with that first and foremost. What do you think? You know, Dan, if you would have asked me that two, three weeks ago, I would say that I'm 90% sure that he's going to come back. I still have the optimism that he's going to be a St. Louis Blue, but it has definitely dropped over the weekend, um, especially with the reports coming out of, you know, the, the reported $7.7 million that he was offered and the, and the 9.5 that he has been looking for. And look, I truly believe Petro would sign here for a lower cost than what the market is going to give him because it is St. Louis. But you're to the point now where it's just the disrespect factor. And we talked about this with Chris Pronger a couple of of weeks ago on Ribs and BK. And, you know, Prongs talked about that, where it was just one of those things where, and of course his was different, where he was traded away and never really hit free agency. He was kind of always on the move via trade. But it's one of those things where you look at it and say, okay, well, if if the respect's not going to be there, then I'm going to go and show you that you made the mistake. So... Um, I still look at this as a Blues shot to get him re-signed, but I got to be honest with you, Dan, I think there's a lot of damage control that's going to have to be done between now and October 9th, and I still think October 9th is going to hit, and Petro's going to explore his options. How do they make it work? Yeah. So if he, if he wants to get to that number, the, the $9 million the $9 plus, million, yeah. how do they make it work? You have to move another body, and right now everyone's pointing to Tyler Bozak, um, I don't know if it's going to be as easy as people think it's going to be because of the the upcoming salary cap that's going to stay where it's at at about $81.5 million. Uh, and some teams like the Arizona Coyotes who have made it very clear are going to be cutting costs rather than adding. There will be teams that will want some body and some Stanley Cup experience like a Tyler Bozak. I don't know if that's just going to get done, though. I think you're going to have to package some stuff to deal to make it work. But look, at the end of the day, if you want Petro back, you're going to have to shed at least three to five more million dollars just to get him re-signed. And that doesn't even include Vince Dunn, who is still a restricted free agent. So there's going to have to be some wheeling and dealing, which that's what you always look at that draft for, Dan. That's usually the trade deadline that everyone pays attention to rather than the actual trade deadline, because that's when you see moves. Um, but if if the Blues want to get this done with Petro, you got to shed more salary because $7.7 million is not going to get it done. But I also think the Blues have to be willing to give him the years because the years are, are what it's going to get done for Alex Petrangelo rather than the money. So can they meet in the middle, though, in terms of the salary? I think they can. 
But I think if you're going to meet in the middle between 9.5 and 7.7, you're going to have to be willing to to meet some of the other requests of Alex Petrangelo. And you saw the report out there that was just basically saying that, and I forgot who put the report out, but it basically said that you know they asked Alex Petrangelo to accept the money without looking at the terms. And look, that's not going to cut it for a Stanley Cup champion who is... Uh, without any question, a top five elite defenseman in the NHL. So if you're going to meet in the middle of 7.7 and 9.5, Dan, you got to be willing to meet what Alex Petrangelo and his agency are asking and explain to him what it is rather than just say, accept this and you'll see once it's done. And then finally, what are the the other teams? Who are the other teams that can meet what he wants? Well, you got to look at the teams that are willing to spend money. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs being one of them, of course, the hometown of Alex Petrangelo. They will do whatever it takes to sign him meaning they'll trade away players if they have to. Um, Las Vegas is another team that I wouldn't be surprised if they take a run because you got to look at the tax situation and the, the taxes that Petro wouldn't have to pay to play in Vegas. The dark horse for me, though, is the Florida Panthers. And, and I think Rivs and I have talked about this on Rivs and BK, but the Panthers are a team that might be looking to, to, to redo some things with their organization now with a new general manager. Um, they might need, well, they do need an experienced defenseman to play with some of their youth. So the Florida Panthers are another team that I could see make a run at Alex Petrangelo and give him what he's looking for. All right, good stuff. What's coming up on the show? Well, we're going to do a lot of uh, Petrangelo talk. Carlo Koliakovo, a former teammate and a good friend of Petro, is going to be on. Luke Korak, who covers the Blues for NHL.com. And of course, Dan, we're going to be talking some Cardinals pitching, the bullpen this weekend. How incredible were they? And then, of course, the uh, the Yad father going deep and making sure that the Cardinals pull out a victory. Good stuff. It's Ribs BK, Alex all coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.